Party Chat People's Podcast, episode 15, July 29th. Hosts Mikey and Savi. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Party Chat Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mikey. And today it's going to be a two-man show. Um, Zavi's here with me, and we're going to talk about some video game things, right? Yeah, what country did we send Steve to to be uh, ambassador for this left, time? We left him in Queens somewhere. Oh, we left him in Queens? Yeah, that's a foreign land, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, really? That's a foreign land. That's, uh, Brooklyn. That's what, I, that's what I lovingly call Carajo land, <laughs> which is Spanish for way the fuck somewhere else. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I think you <laughs> mistook that for Brooklyn. Thank you Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Thank you very much. That's well, guys, name. we are back here again um, to discuss some games, some news, some special topics. Hopefully, you guys will enjoy what we talk about today. I think we're going to start it off with um, some game stuff. Um, Zavi's been getting into MLB The Show, Zelda, Westworld, and the Coma recut. And I've been playing a ton of shit the past two weeks. I'm um, getting into some Hollow Knight. Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, Sonic Mania Plus, Octopath Traveler, a little bit of Monster Hunter, a little bit of Labo, and uh, regrettably, a little bit of No Man's Sky next. Oof. And we are here to get into that. Uh, we're also going to mention uh, quick news. Uh, Vampire a- adds two new difficulty modes. And our special topic is, are live service games ruining or enriching the games industry? Mm. Uh, ruining done let's go all right cool <laughs> bye cool 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 <laughs> let's let's get started Zavi. let's see what you've been getting your hands into these past couple of weeks sure so i'll get the quick ones out of the way um i'm still loving the switch it's become my primary machine really? um yeah it's just part of that is portability part of that is the portability part of that is the fact that i've been working pretty hard lately so a lot of my gaming is uh you know an hour or two here before i go to bed or my lunch break or the train ride to and from the office mm. so the switch just fits into that lifestyle and but the and 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 the, and the beautiful thing about the switch is that i don't feel like i'm compromising as far as choosing to play quote unquote portable games mm-hmm. no these are real games you know for for lack of a more precise distinction. I think people kind of know what I'm saying when I say that. Yeah. So I've been playing uh, Zelda, FIFA, um, you know, Rocket League. Oh, when you've I feel been doing like FIFA it. on the Switch. Yeah, I've been doing FIFA on the oh, Switch. Nice. Um, okay. But uh, mi- mixed feelings on FIFA, but it is definitely a solid game of soccer. Okay. It's, mixed it's, feelings because of the design or because of the Switch. Um, you know, I don't know that this is a pared down version of the game. Okay. But it might be. Okay. Uh, and that speaks to me playing the game and feeling like sometimes I don't know exactly what to do. But part of that is because I am mentally comparing it to MLB The Show, mm-hmm. which just might not be a fair comparison. Gotcha. Um, the show feels a lot more fleshed out. So, I'll, so actually, yeah, I'll jump into the show. So I've been playing MLB The Show, and this is the show, that, the newest one that, uh, that's coming out. Uh, sorry, that came out, the new one. I don't know exactly when it's coming out. Like, I think March is normally when they come out. Okay, yeah. But uh, but I've been playing MLB The Show, and uh, in particular, two different modes. So I've been playing Road to the Show mode, mm. which is where you 
create a player, okay. and you go through. You start off in the minor leagues in Double A ball, and they've actually crafted a RPG experience here in a really solid way. Okay. I it's been around for a while, and I definitely did play Road to the Show mode. I want to say at least three years ago, but since then something about Just this a quick mode. Aside, this is like their sort of campaign mode that's in every iteration. I mean, there's... Or it's called, like, a different thing? It's... So, I mean, depends on what you mean by campaign, because there's actually several very rich single-player offerings. Some people would probably call franchise mode the campaign mode, where you where you manage an entire team. Okay. But this is where you play as a single player. Mm. So I'm playing as a starting pitcher, um, and so I don't even... When I play this mode, I don't even bat... So far, you know, if I ended up on a National League team, then I would have to deal with batting and probably bunting to some degree and things like that. But for now, I'm not. I'm just in the minor leagues. I recently got up to AAA, got called up to AAA, and um, they just designed a really good experience around this mode because it feels right in the sense that I was kind of, I was kicking ass in AA and feeling great, and then you get called up to AAA, and it's like, oof, you're going to get rocked a little bit. And part of that is just the stats, right? This is a true RPG. I need to grind. I need to play enough games. Um, to a certain degree, from a, from a time management perspective, mm-hmm. I just need to simulate some games sometimes where it's like this game doesn't matter towards some of my objectives per se, so I don't especially need to play every inning. I can just simulate this game, which allows me to get to my training sessions faster, which allows me to bump up my stats faster. And to some degree right now, what's lacking, what's missing is my stats, not my performance as a player, because I'm pretty good at the pitching mechanics. Yeah, It's just a matter of like, my stats are, aren't high enough, so I don't generate enough swings and misses, for example. Mm. Um, and How does that affect your like actual physical gameplay, like mechanically? Um, so, so what that means when your stats aren't as high as they kind of need to be yeah. in triple A ball right now where I'm at is that I can pitch quote unquote perfectly yeah. to a certain degree and hitters will still rock me to some degree. Mm. They're, they're still going to whoop my ass a little bit because okay. they're just better than me. You right? get the question By I'm asking, like where does, where does your skill meet and then the artificial, yeah, sort of yeah. So, arbitrary Mm-hmm. skills mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so the way uh, the mechanics of pitching I'm playing there's actually a couple different control schemes mm-hmm. I'm using the one called pure analog where you pull down on the right stick to begin your pitch and then you have to push up at the right time which affects your release point on your throw which affects how high or low the pitch actually ends up based uh, relative to where you were aiming and then you also need to, when you push up, push a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, depending on whether you wanted to go inside or outside with your pitch. Gotcha. And that um, is like a really, it's a, there's a decent amount of skill involved there where sometimes like if, if, if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not focusing, I'll fuck up pitches in one way or the other and I'll have to calm myself down and just be like, all right, focus, here we go. And so your, 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 um, your performance as far as your timing and your location on your pitch. Let's say, I don't know that this is the way the game works, but let's say that you end up with a score for your pitch, right? Mm-hmm. That was an excellent pitch or that was a perfect pitch or whatever based on where you wanted to throw it. You combine that against the hitter's abilities and the CPU is going to you know, swing at the pitch in a certain way. And if their skill is high enough, regardless of how good your pitch was, regardless of 
of where that was, they might still get a hit. They might still, mm, you know, okay, you. smack the shit out of, out of, out of your yeah. pitch. So, so then there's also um, stats around, for example, how fast is your fastball? And so that has like a tangible result. So even right? though you do it perfect, it could still be It could still slow. be. It's not as fast as, yeah. yeah, it's not as fast as it could be, right? Or your curveball. How, how much control do you have on your curveball and how much um, uh, curve? Does it, does it have, <laughs> right? So, so those are separate stats as well. And control is a big one on your curveball because right now my curveball is only at the level where I can place it a little bit inside, outside. Yeah. But if I fuck up a little bit, like on your timing on your curveball, yeah. is really sensitive. So um, if you mess up, if you're a little bit late on your curveball, it's going to end up in the dirt, at least mine, because my control is not there yet. So there's these ways that are actually really good simulations of, uh, it really feels like baseball. I used to be a pitcher. This, this feels very good. This feels very relatable. And yeah. I like the fact that I just haven't, quote unquote, put in my time in practice yet. Yeah. And so at AAA level, I'm just not, you know, people are going to hit me. And there is that struggle of like, Okay, I had to I had to struggle for my first win in AAA, and like it feels like an accomplishment, and that's really cool. Mm. Um, so that mode is is really good. That's where I'm at right now. And one of the really ridiculous features that they have is that come March, if I'm right about the release date, the next version of the show comes out. I can transfer my character. So they have this thing both in franchise mode and in Road to the Show mode, where you get to transfer your save, and you have your never ending franchise or your never-ending character so like this is designed in such a way that for me to i mean if i played enough obviously i'd get there much quicker but mm-hmm. um to to reach the majors to have a full career to possibly become a hall of famer it's going to take years it's designed on that scale and it's already fun and another thing i want to shout out as far as road to the show goes is the little interactions that they've put in there with your with your manager with your teammates with your agent, <laughs> these little RPG moments, these little dialogue tree moments, they're mostly kind of fluff and stuff, but they're, they're well done. Like one of my favorites was I get contacted by an agent and I have the ability in the, in the conversation tree to be like, yeah, let's go. You're my dude. But instead I was like, oh, I have to talk to my advisor. And in, in the way they set up the story, your advisor is your high school coach. Mm. And then your high school coach is like, hey man, I can only bring you so far. You know, I think you're at the level now where you could use some representation. So I say, I, you know, I checked out this guy. I looked into him. He looks good. Go for it. Like, that's a really cool thing. Like, that actually is like taking the right lessons, the right um, design aesthetic or, or the right game feel, I guess, from role-playing games and applying it to baseball. And it's, I think it's brilliantly done. I played it a few years ago. It wasn't this good. Now it's really fucking good. And I'm loving it. The other mode that I want to shout out in MLB the show very quickly is within Diamond Dynasty, which yeah. is their, you know, within the $60 game, they have their games as a service thing where they yeah. do try to squeeze some more money out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but so far, the actual economy is pretty generous as far as, like, you just get to play the fucking game if you want. Mm-hmm. But, the, but, you know, it's your, it's, your fantasy, it's your fantasy baseball plus actual gameplay kind of mode. It's, uh, it's analogous to... Ultimate Team and all of EA Sports' games. Um, they have this one mode called Conquest Mode. Yeah. It's fucking weird and I love it. Sounds like there's a, there's a <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? So they have a strategy layer to it where you have a map of the United States and you're trying to conquer territory using your fans. 
and it has several phases. One is your attack phase where you, where you spread out from your current territory and you take over another territory. And if it's actually territory that belongs to another team, you instigate a, you either can simulate or play a three inning, really quick baseball game. Nice. And part that of what I. Actually enticing to me because that's just my issue with sports in general is that I think games take too long. They can, and baseball in and particular. Baseball in particular, like nine innings is a long is a fucking time. Fan, uh, some of my families are cricket fans, and like I don't have the attention span for any <laughs> of that. Yeah, um, it's so it's a rock solid three innings of baseball. It's super weird and super like, mm. and, and and the pacing feels good because you go back to that strategy layer. You think through things. You you know, it's I, I'm really enjoying that. Um, my only, the only thing I would say is I sort of wish that I could take this game on the go. <laughs> and that's where the comparison, the inevitable comparison that I personally am having Get to FIFA. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, they, they, dis- they discontinued the show on Vita, unfortunately. Uh, but, um, but in any case, uh, that's, that's also a really intriguing, really fun uh, mode in MLB The Show. Yeah. So I'm really enjoying my sports ball. And, I, I really uh, like that <laughs> consistently the show games have been top. Yeah, considering they have the exclusive MLB license. Yeah, and there's no competition. And there's no competition, which mm-hmm. is a sort of shame. They're mm-hmm. not resting on their laurels, it seems no, like. they it does not. All the, all the coverage I've ever heard about the show is consistently good. And my experience with this year's, or I guess last year, no, this year's, and this year's like edition you, is very as good. A, as a baseball player and a games fan, and as, and as a baseball games fan, you're like the perfect person <laughs> to sort of talk to about these games. Because I'm... Somewhat, yeah. I am not any of those three. One of the things I like about... <laughs> well, sorry, not any of those two. <laughs> one of the things that I'm enjoying about this one, and I don't know if it's that my mentality, like my approach to the game has changed, but yeah. I'm less either intimidated or I give less shits about knowing these players' names. But actually, no, I'll take that back. There's, for example, um, one small detail when you're, when you're a pitcher that you need to know constantly is which number in the order is this batter, right? Mm-hmm. Because if it's the one, two, three, four, five guys... Then there's some. Th- then there's something you generally know about those positions in a batting lineup. Yeah. Your first, the first guy is going to be fast. Second guy is probably going to be a bit fast as well. But the one and two guys are hitting for contact mostly. The three, four, five guys are going to be more power. You start to reach the bottom of the order. You don't need to work as hard. You, you like as a pitcher. And I don't. I'm pretty sure in previous iterations of the show, I they didn't have an easy way to know what order someone was in, who they were in the lineup. And in Baseball 9, for example, it's right there in the UI when you're pitching. Mm -hmm. Because these are made-up players, they know, like, you need this. This is important information. MLB The Show's not quite there yet. They still, I guess, to some degree, expect you to be a baseball fan who knows these players. However, Mm -hmm. the moment you hit start, or options, I guess, the moment you hit pause, the part of the pause menu, dead center, is a, a look at both lineups, both hitting lineups, and it shows you the current person who's at bat and the current person who's, who's on deck. So mm. it makes it way easier to get that crucial bit of information that you normally wouldn't be able to. So I guess it's a bit more accessible to people who aren't, you know, baseball encyclopedias like my dad. Cool. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the, the MLB, the show, I'm really enjoying it. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also good. Uh, Zelda. <laughs> Zelda. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is is still good. I'm still enjoying it. I'm I'm reaching a point on this particular playthrough where I 
I recognize that I'm playing for exploration's sake, and that's wearing a little thin. Mm-hmm. So I might I might wind up putting it down in the near future, but I've certainly enjoyed this minimum 20 hours that I've put into my second playthrough. So still a fantastic game. Um, story is still kind of not existent and <laughs> has problems, but um, but still a great game. I've also, to, to move on quickly, played some more Westworld Mobile. Mm. That game is really good as like as, as like a five minute game. Are are you well? Just a quick um, question: Did they win the lawsuit? Is this game like gonna sort of disappear in a day? I don't know. Like, do I, you feel like scared that you're putting sort of this time <laughs> into it, and then one day it's just gonna be like, sorry. I'm not worried about it disappearing from a from a mechanical perspective. Uh, this is a straight up different game. Yeah. From a code perspective, they may be using code that they are not legally entitled to use, and they fucked up in that regard. Mm. Um, but it's not like these guys are, it's not like this game is indie. The mm-hmm. developers are the same and Bethesda is from Fallout Shelter and now they're working with HBO. So HBO and Bethesda are going to have at it. They're going to fucking, gotcha. like, that's my perspective. I okay. don't know if this is true, but from my perspective, they're going to have at it. The game is not going to go down anytime soon. Gotcha. And if HBO ends up paying some but money to Bethesda or something, down, people like, will have gotten their fill from it. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> by the time the lawsuits and the proceedings are done. Yeah, like, this isn't, they're not, HBO is not going to get bullied into letting this go. This mm. is part of their plan for Westworld as a franchise. And it's a decent plan because I haven't gone back to finish season two yet. Mm. But I'm not going to pretend as though playing this game doesn't keep it in my mind. Mm. So I might. I might actually go back and finish season two because... And if I do, I, I think that it's fair to say that it's largely because this game has kept it fresh in my mind. So just to be clear, you were not planning to continue watching Westworld? Um, I think I saw three or four episodes of season two of Westworld and it bored just me. Just didn't. Yeah, I found just the straight first up bored two me. episodes have actually... Actually, I think, I believe up to season three, mm, I think it was widely regarded as very weak opening. Oh, well, Westworld only, season two was just finished. No, 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 up to, excuse me, the first three episodes of season two were considered weak. Yeah, just very weak. Like, I I even did not watch this season because those first episodes were like boring. Yeah, and then I just waited and I binged it. But... Gotcha. And I, I think, to be honest with you, I watched recaps and then I just went to four because I was reading the reviews and people were just like, yeah. this, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. Yeah. It, I have my problems with it. I hope that um, I've heard good things about the, about the back half of season two, but mm. my to, to, to end the TV show tangent, the far superior TV, sci-fi TV show about robots is humans. Mm. And while Westworld is good... Humans is way more interesting to oh, me. Oh, humans. Yes, humans. humans. Is it still on? Yeah. Season oh, three okay. uh, recently wrapped up, I think. I still need to finish it, but... Um, so it, I should definitely... Humans is way better. Okay. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the few and far between examples of a sociological storytelling mm. that still has good, strong characters. Mm. So, like, it is concerned with and continually comes back to what is happening to society. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't drop like things that are that are deeply problematic that happen. Like one character murders someone early on in the show, and it might seem like that was kind of glossed over and forgiven, and then they come back to it, 
in a way where like she's trying to take responsibility for what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a good fucking show. Anyway, we're here <laughs> to talk about video game things. Yeah. Apologies. It's okay. To, for, now for, Steve could yell at me. Yeah, he can. <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll revel in it. Mm. Um, so Westworld Mobile, it's good. Uh, it's a good 10, 15 minute break game. And I, it's I enjoy enough from Fallout Shelter. It's vastly different from Fallout Shelter okay. and the actual mechanics of how things run. It's better. It's just it's just it is in my mind unambiguously better than Fallout Shelter. Mm. Um, and it's a it's a really good example of a management style game that uses time as a um, as a mechanic and as something that you have to consider and think through and, and you know, okay, okay, I'll, I'll check back in an hour or something maybe, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of works well in that regard. It just still absolutely falls into games as a service trappings that I'm not okay with that we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But um, the final thing I want to mention is a Switch game that I picked up on a, on a sale that, uh, that intrigued me and is going well so far called The Coma. Mm-hmm. It's a weird little survival horror type thing. Just a quick question. Is that the game with the screenshot of the anime girl with the blonde hair? Mm, black hair, oh, not blonde hair. Black hair, okay. Um, this game it's is been about... been out for a while. I'm not sure. Okay, I think it's been out for a while. But I, but I picked it up because it looked intriguing to me, and what I'm enjoying about it is that it's a horror game about being a Korean student and the expectations yeah. that they have on them. And so, like a lot of like the horror things that are going on are explicitly in the in the narrative of the game, like manifestations of like their psyche and whatnot, and and that takes the form of like his teacher, like going around and like fucking murdering him and stuff. And so far, it, it it's uh, the design is the the sound design is is really good, and the. Uh, um, the aesthetic is pretty good. What is the um, um, uh, like genre perspective? Yeah, so the the gameplay is two D, okay, uh, side scroller, kind of sur- survival horror. If I had to compare it to something, I might c- compare it to. I think this game was called like Lone Survivor or something like that. It's like pixelated mm, sur- I know what you're uh, about. horror game, yeah, yeah. or um, like eight. So, sort of like 16 bit. Yeah, yeah. like a 16 not, bit. Not 8, but maybe 16. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like that, but the aesthetic is quite different. Um, yeah, it, it, it does a good job in the little bit that I've played, because I, I think I've only played about an hour or two. It does a good job in that time so far of like making me genuinely feel tense, mm-hmm. where I'm playing the game and I'm listening very carefully, and when I hear like unfamiliar sounds, I stop. And I turn my flashlight off in the game, and I'm like, "What was that?" <laughs> so, it has a it has a good, um, a really good uh, tone and mood to it so far. Um, I'm hoping that I can. It, it's kind of weird because it's a it's a Switch game that I want to play at night, but I also have been trying to play less video games at night to, so that it doesn't fuck up my sleep. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so okay. I don't know how much of this game I'll actually get to play, but I wanted to shout it out as. Uh, very intriguing little. I don't know if it's technically indie, but it feels kind of indie-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just saw a little experience that I would not have picked up otherwise, uh, like like outside of the browsing the Switch store, I guess. So that's that's it for me as far as the games I've been playing that I want to cool. make note of. So cool. what's what's your behemoth list looking like? Oh, my behemoth list. Uh, it's not so behemoth. I think I put a lot of time into. 
a few games and just like a couple of uh, minutes or so into other small experiences or just like disjointed experiences. So I guess let me n knock out the small things first. Um, so I want to mention Labo again, where I finally, my nephew hasn't been coming over, but he came over yesterday and we had like a really good session of Labo playing with the house. Unfortunately, the motorcycle wasn't working. I, I promised him like, you know, we'll try again today. So immediately after I've got to like, do the motorcycle with him <laughs> and the little RC bug car. He he was just loving it. Just and you know, he's four now, so he's able to do a lot himself. He's speaking. Um he basically had the house on like my chair and he was putting in the different buttons. He was he was doing it by himself. He didn't really need my help. But some of the games he did, but it's four. It, okay, cool. Yeah, he it, he was it was stimulating a lot of language, a lot of interest. So he was just like, Oh, you know, Uncle Michael, you know this he's floating he's doing all this stuff i'm gonna jump let's feed him and like he was really interested <laughs> he wanted me to be involved with like his play so i really really liked i i really like i think i said before like you know me working in the education system like i'm very wary of like you know toys being replaced by like digital objects but i feel like mm. labo is i don't want to say it's this nice middle ground but it sort of does bridge between this physicality and kids using their imagination yeah. and also wanting other people to join their play, you know, video gaming. Now we, there's a, there is an argument that it's not a solitary hobby, but in some ways it still is because the action of yourself, of you hold your own controller. And mm. even though you do things with other people, the act of playing a game, you kind of do it by yourself. There's, there is some of that. I think yeah. that, I think that kids who are more, Social will gravitate towards more social games. And yes, I think yes, that kids who are more, who are less that will will gravitate more yeah. towards their personal games. Yeah, but, and then there's also genres of games that you know encourage that or encourage don't. that or. But but even like back in the day, you know, uh, me and my cousins playing Super Mario Brothers three. Mm -hmm. It's technically a single player game, but that was still an extremely social experience. I was passing. But you did take passing the controller back and forth. Yeah, and yeah, you took turns for and sure, and, for sure. and this is. This is not a problem unique to, you know, video games. Also, if you have a board game where you take a turn, you're you're completing your action, you know. Sure, sure. So, um but it was it was it was a really fun time. Like I really enjoyed it and I actually I'm going to finish building some things with him. They just announced that uh like the next uh pack, which is oh, like a they? car okay. or something, I'm not mm. sure. I think it's going to be like a traditional car where there's going to be wheels, but then the frame of the car is like cardboard. So, I don't know. Uh, maybe I might okay. get it. Um, I, I definitely don't play it, you know. But if I really was interested in it and, you know, sort of what itch, you know, the Labo would scratch. So yeah, that's my Labo. That's pretty cool. I, I'm also recently in the education space and working on an app for, like, two- to six-year-olds, and that's that's definitely part of the conversation of the overall company is, mm -hmm. like, the we hear that from parents, that the, the concern that, that uh, the physicality is going away. Yeah. And there's definitely plenty and of... And the creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's definitely talk of, like, how do we integrate physicality into our... Yeah. I don't know, our vision, I guess. Yeah. So I feel you on that. And that's that's cool to hear that uh, Labo seems to be... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I really like sort of staying in the space to critically think because... 
we can all make the case like, oh, our parents were old. They didn't grow up with games. <laughs> but now we have, and, oh, yeah. you know, we enjoy them and we see a place for them. But I think we can also say, like, you know, we've been humans for thousands of years now. And, you know, there is a case for child development in traditional ways and sort of disrupting it with technology. And I, I'm sure every generation has to deal with, like, new technologies and how that changes with human development. And, you know, you know, the research is still out. There's still some, you know, good things about introducing technology early and definitely some bad things about introducing technology way too early yeah. and how um, it affects childhood development. Right. So I, I'm glad that we're in this space now where people who are not just emotionally responding, oh, video games are bad, right. can yeah. say, hey, no, they're great. There's a time and place and space for them. Yeah. Let's figure out how we could, you know, um, fit them into right. how we live. I think that there's like, it's almost like a gaming diet. Like, what's a healthy gaming diet? Yeah. What's, yeah. What's, what's, and your diet changes as you grow up. Your diet changes as you grow up, and sometimes you fucking... Chug me. You, some, sometimes you <laughs> chug a chocolate milkshake, and uh -huh. your stomach is like, "What the fuck are you?" This was me yesterday. But sometimes you're I into vegetarian gaming. I did gaming. this. I did this yesterday. <laughs> I had a chocolate milkshake, and my stomach fucking hated me for it. Yeah, it hurt well, really bad. That's what you get for eating and, that nasty. And sometimes you play chocolate. Sometimes you play Fortnite. Anyway, we'll get into that later. <laughs> what else you been playing? Cool. So I also dipped into Monster Hunter. Just a quick mention: they're having their spring festival, and I've been playing with a couple of friends, getting some items, getting some armor. Missed a bunch of it, but I, I really like Monster Hunter. I'm, I'm, uh, I really want to get back into it hardcore, but I feel like maybe I've got my fill of Monster Hunter and I'm forcing myself to come back to the game. Um, hmm. It's great. I just, I think I just, it's time to put it down, but it's great. It also might be a thing where I'm not having a consistent group and it definitely is like a more group game for me. So not having that, I'm forcing myself to sort of go through the motions. Would you go as far as to say that you pretty much require a group for that <laughs> Probably. game? Okay. Probably. At your level or in general? Oh, oh, you mean at difficulty-wise? I don't know. Just to have a good no, time in just, that game. No, just to have a good time in the game. You need a group. Yeah. Difficulty-wise, you know, you could still... I'm not... The way the game is um, framed, or the, the structure of the game, I should say you can play it with not not being under leveled there's still things for you to be if i'm if i haven't been playing every week and increasing my armor skills and also there's matchmaking so you know it's not that sure. solitary in the sense but again you're sort of at the mercy of what sort of other people want to do sure sure so say like if you want to do a mission that you haven't done and mostly most of the community has moved on will i get people to join my group or will i be like oh well everyone's playing this new mission i might as well just join I'll be, you know, up current with what everyone is doing, but in the back of my mind, I'm still like, oh, you know, that mission I kind of still want to do. Yeah. But it's been cool, so I've been, you know, just dealing with it. Okay. Um, also dipped into Sonic Mania Plus. Not too much. Really like it. Um, they added in... Um, so Sonic Mania Plus is just sort of this $5 DLC add-on. Some people are just calling it a glorified update. They added two new characters, Mighty the Armadillo and Ray the Flying Squirrel. Um, they are from Knuckles Chaotix, um, which is like their group. Uh, if if you're a hardcore Sonic fan, you know who they are. <laughs> but um, Knuckles, they have new Knuckles is rap group. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, that's a great way to say it. I mean, Knuckles songs 
his theme songs tend to have rap yeah, in them. Well, I mean, he has dreadlocks. Yeah. I, w- I wonder <laughs> if they, if all Sonic characters were humanized, uh, what race would Knuckles be? Japan, <laughs> Japan is is really good about race, <laughs> aren't they? That's a joke. Um, so, um, no, no, so I don't. I don't. Sorry, I I want to walk that back slightly. <laughs> they do their best. <laughs> I I guess. In a hom- homogeneous society. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You. you you know, exactly. Let's let's be realistic. Right. How much can we expect? Right. I played the I played the demo for the Pokemon game that was on the Nintendo 3DS the other yeah. day, and they had the their version of like Team Rocket in that game. Yeah. They like, they gestured really like gangsta. Uh huh. And I was like, oh man, Japan. Japan. I don't know how I feel about this. Japan. Japan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Sorry. Tangents. So Mighty the Armadillo has like sort of a ground pound. That's his new ability. And Ray the Flying Squirrel um, has a flying ability akin to people. I mean, it is comparing it to the Super Mario World cape where you kind of have the arching like sine Mm. wave flight. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, They remixed the stages. They added um, Angel Island stage, which I believe was just like an intro cutscene in Sonic Mania. But now you can actually go through Angel Island um and it's cool you there's a new you know i never knew what these things were called what are the things called in sonic the capsules that you hit i know there's a there's a name for them is there yeah. like the little boxes that would give you yeah, like the, well, the, the, the force field and the, the old power school. boxes yeah power up boxes. so now you have a okay. switching mechanic where you you have access to all five characters and then you can get a switching mechanic and Sonic will be following you or Ray will be following you or Tails. Like basically any character can follow you and you can switch to the other character. Mm, so it's okay. pretty cool. Um, there's a four player sort of co-op mode or oh. like a ra- race mode. There's ah. a new special stage. Um, it's cool. I like it. Like for, for fans of the game who sort of want some added benef- added you know content and want to go back and sort of play it because, you know, Sonic Mania is sort of a classic game you can get through. People, you know, play classic games over and over again. This adds right. some variety to it, so I really enjoy it. And, like, if you have it, go ahead and buy it. Nice. Um, so that's about it for, like, the quick sort of things that I've dipped into. As far as the longer experiences, I think I want to start off with um, Captain's Toad Treasure Tractor, Tracker. Excuse me. And, man, oh, please, Nintendo, please release those Wii U games that got really good scores because this is a great game. I'm so glad that they um, made the decision to re-release it on the Switch because um, such a great little puzzle game, such a just colorful, whimsical, Nintendo good-feel game. Like, you can sit down and put it in front of anyone and they, they just enjoy watching it. Uh, if I had a friend over and he was watching it, like giving me tips saying, oh, do this, do that while I'm playing. Like just a really bite size. Like each of the puzzles are like sort of bite sized They take maybe less than five minutes to complete. Mm. Then you're on to the next thing. Um, so if for anyone who doesn't know, this game came out on the Wii U a couple, uh, few years ago. Uh, you take um, control of Toad and Toadette. And it's sort of this, um, each level is sort of this uh, cube. And on the cube, you have a variety of like, you know, typical Mario aesthetic, like green zone, ice zone, ghost world. And they have puzzles where you have to collect three gems. Once you collect the three gems, you have to collect a star. You don't, in, in order to beat the level, you don't have to collect the gems, but you know, that's the progress of the game. You can just collect the star. There's also hidden objectives. You can 
um, collect the gold mushroom. And there's also like a special objective. Say like, don't get hit or defeat all the enemies or complete oh, it nice. within a certain time Ch- limit. Challenge obs- objectives. Yeah. And, and there's like these levels of, it kind of reminds me of iOS games that gives you like the badges for things. So, right. you know, the, the, you know, to beat the level, get the star. Then there's the three gems. Then there's the gold mushroom. Then there's the special sort of... Reminds um, me of Cut the Rope. Yes. Then there's this secret check-off objective. And once you beat a level, um, if you beat all of those um, challenges, you get like a red stamp. And then also you go back into the level and then there's like the find the toad. or That's not what it's called. But there's a 8-bit toad that you go back into the level and you don't need to complete it. You just sort of need to get your your toad in a position. Oh, also to mention, it's a cube sort of like isolated in space. So you use the right um, the analog sticks to sort of move the camera in any way you want. You have full control. However, like if something is really high or really low, you can't really, you know, move the camera up different planes. But uh-huh. you can move it in a full 360 degree based on sort of Toad's location. So in the 8-bit find the Toad mode, it's sort of like where's Waldo. <laughs> Depending on where he is, he could be on a wall, he could be on the ground. You have to get into a place where you can actually rotate the camera 360. And um, because this was a Wii U game, and I guess you can touch the screen, um, there's a little uh, cursor that you manipulate. And you can sort of uh, manipulate enemies. So say like if you put the right trigger while your cursor's hovering over it, it'll like give them like a static shock and then, you know, Toad <laughs> can walk past. But that also, you can also interact with the environment. There's like moving blocks. So you press like ZR on it, right trigger on it, and like it moves blocks ups and down. There's like um, wheels, you'll hold Z trigger, and then you literally put a put, you know, spin the controller in a circle and it twists the environment. It's very, very cool. There's some mine um, uh, levels where you're going through a mine and it turns into like a first person um, shooter. Uh, where you're <laughs> shooting out, um, what's the little white things? Turnips. Um, it's just it's just a great fun, like Nintendo doing what they do best. Um, <laughs> it's so funny because the the game plays in episodes for anyone who hasn't played it yet. So there's about uh, eighteen levels in the first uh, world or first episode, and when you know you fight two bosses and then you beat it and then you get the big star and you're like yay and then credits pass and you're just like. What? And it goes to the end, and then you're like, "Wait a second, no, this is not happening." But then, and then the the loading screen to like go back to the main menu is actually quite long. But then episode two pops up, and then you know <laughs> you're like, "Oh, okay." Uh, so Nintendo be trolling. Yeah. So I I believe there's three episodes. Maybe there's some bonus levels after it. But um, I'm finishing up episode two right now. So. I um I'm about to get to episode three, and I'm I guess each uh each episode is probably about eighteen to twenty levels. I'm guessing so. Yeah, that's it's been a really really great time. I wholly 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 recommend mm. it. Let me ask a question. Sure. Is it is this the kind of puzzle game where the difficulty in terms of the challenge of the puzzles really ramps up, or is it the kind of game where the the levels in, uh, as you move on, the levels really are about variety and new mechanics into the puzzles. Um, there's definitely variety and new mechanics. I'm going to say the level of the puzzles is consistent. The okay. difficulty comes in. So like I said, there's the three gem system. Right. So 
I now, so in the first episode, there were tons of levels. I got all three gems. Right. In the second episode, there's usually that one gem that's just not, you know, easily apparent to get. Gotcha. So I'm, I have to go back to a lot of episode nice, two levels nice, just to yeah. find that one gem of like, yeah, that's a, how do you get that? I really like puzzle games that are designed like that. Yeah. Where like to, to beat the level, there's a consistent difficulty right. you know, ramp. To get all that extra stuff, which also really matters, because I believe when you get a number of gems, actually this is important. I don't know if you get if it's getting a number of gems or completing extra those extra objectives where you get a red check, a random. Oh, also like sort of the um, design of the game is like a, a storybook. So each right. level you change the page. So if you get enough gems, or like I said, or complete enough secondary um, objectives a page will sort of light up in the back of the book and you go to it and it turns into a bonus level where um, okay. I've only run into two where I believe it's like a bunch of plants in the ground and you just like pick them up really quickly and you get coins and you earn extra lives. Or there's this other one where there's this power-up called the double cherry and you make a copy of yourself. So you slide down, you pick up as many cherries as you can get and then there's a, a garden of plants. So you just keep on picking them up and getting coins, and there's also this other um, power-up was like the hammer from Donkey Kong. And as you do that, it actually picks up the coins quicker. So you're just getting literally coins like every second, and there's a time limit. So the whole bonus stage is like 30 seconds, but yet you're getting all these coins to get like lives. Like you have lives in this game, you'll die, and I don't really see the point of it. I wonder what happens. Yeah, I was going to say, you use the L word. Yeah, like if you lose, <laughs> I, I wonder what happens if you lose. It says game over just to put you back to the main screen it's, to come back. It's like Hellblade. It deletes its own save. Yeah, oh God, <laughs> could you believe? Sorry, you lost the treasure permanently. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Game gonna, deleted. Start over. Your Switch is now bricked. <laughs> that would be, that would be, the, I would buy that game. Yeah, it's it's su it's super super. A game that threatens to brick my switch. Uh huh. Like, it's fuck yeah, super, let's go. Super 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 cool, and I <laughs> and I completely 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 recommend it. Nice nice nice. So yeah, uh, the next thing I've been getting into is Hollow Knight, which is great. I've been spending a lot of time on that and not getting anywhere. So you know, I might not have much to say. Definitely gives me that dark uh, souls feeling. You know, interesting. Dead soulsy feeling where two two D crawler. Um, 2D dungeon crawler esque game um, with like skills and per, um, a death mechanic where you sort of have to reach your corpse again. Right. Um, I found this game a bit obtuse at first because they are really it's it's a Metroidvania game basically Metroidvania Dark Souls mm -hmm. games. They do not give you the um, expected tools of a Metroidvania game. You have to earn those hmm. tools. So, uh, for example, okay. a map, a uh, marker okay. on a marker of yourself on the map, <laughs> revealing the map when you hmm. go into new areas. All of that you have to purchase, which uh, okay. I found myself going into the same area so many times just to get coins in order to buy those things mm, to grindy. make it to to give myself direction. So like now I'm up yeah, to a sure. boss. I can't beat him. I've died like three times. Um, I'll you know I'll get it, but just to sort of get that sense of direction that first time was like so difficult, and I almost put the hmm. game down because I was like I feel like I'm going in circles. Um, the map has you know Steve had said to me oh the map has like sort of these landmarks and you should sort of you know memorize where these landmarks are and I'm just like ah. Uh, 
Mm. I don't know if I really agree with that too much just because... So in comparison to like something like Zelda, which withholds maps and makes you earn them, mm-hmm. right? What do you think is the failing here? Well, Zelda never not tells you where you are at any given point of the game. You okay, still know okay. where to orient yourself. Right, right, That's a right. major problem. Right, right, It's not right. like it was a... And then also, it's a 2D game. It wasn't a 3D game, which it, yeah. in, in a sense, you'd say like, but would it not be easier? No, when you have a flat 3D map, you can... Well, your perspective is super limiting. Yeah. Like in Zelda, you can go to the top of a mountain and be like, okay, now I know where I am because yeah. you have this this perspective that is, is... Is that what you're getting at? Also, when it's a Metroidvania and there's just like these small pathways and tubes, it's just like, okay, well, I don't know if I'm on the thin pathway above or the thin pathway below. Right, it's and, amazing. And then you're opening up the map again and it's just like... Ugh. Yeah, it's amazing. I feel like... You could have just given us this stuff in the beginning gotcha. instead of having us grind to get this stuff just to make gotcha. it a little bit easier. But I'm, nonetheless, don't want to sound like I've been complaining. I have been complaining. I'm still enjoying. <laughs> the, I'm still enjoying the game, kicking my ass a little bit. But I'm, I'm definitely, you know, going back to it. I've, I've sort of um, fallen back on Toe Tracker because it's just been a consistent feel-good game. Sure. But um, I, I'm almost done with Toe Tracker, so I'm going to put more time into Hollow Knight. But a really great game. Have you played Hollow Knight? I have not played Hollow Knight. Okay, definitely add it on your Switch. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's one of those games, that and like Shovel Knight, for example. Where oh, I'm, you haven't where played I'm like, Shovel Knight? No, I haven't. Where I'm aye, like, aye, aye. those games, people people were raving about them when they came out. They said the gameplay is fantastic and whatnot. And yeah. I think I would enjoy those games. I When they came out, I was at, I would say that I was at a point where... If a game didn't have a strong story, mm-hmm. it was hard for me to give a shit. Mm. Now I think that I, I could play them and enjoy them because now I'm at a point where I go other places for my super duper in-depth traditional kind of storytelling mm-hmm. and games I go to for different reasons for the most part. So, cool. so I think I could enjoy them. I think cool. I will pick them up eventually. Cool. All right. Well, I've got two more games to talk about. Um, I'm going to give you a choice. Give do me a choice. Do you want to hear me complain about Octopath Traveler, or do you want to hear me complain about No Man's Sky next? Um, let's do Octopath, because I have been playing a little bit of Octopath, uh-huh. um, and I expect that I will play some No Man's Sky, and I would have more to say once I've actually played it. So. Gotcha. So let's do Octopath. So, okay. Octopath. Ugh. Ugh. I am going to have an unpopular opinion with this game. So I I really enjoy the mechanics and the gameplay of this game and the visuals too in a certain certain aspect. But I really do not like Square Enix's design decision, the way they made the story and interactions of this game. So I I, I know I know pretty much our audience is probably familiar with Octopath Traveler. It's like a 2D, um, two, um, what would you call it? Like a voxely. I don't know. I would oh. just describe the aesthetic. It's I, like I a, can't think of the right so buzzwords. It's basically like a, basically an <laughs> It's H, a very unique game. Like, so if, if HD graphics were um, injected into an 8-bit era, so now your pixels are really crisp <laughs> and colorful and the lighting model is beautiful, 
That's basically what um, Octopath Traveler yeah, is. Yeah, every, every character is a sprite. Every, yes. Um, your signposts and your buildings, they're also sprites. Yeah. But the lighting model, like you pointed out, is cutting edge. Yeah, the water that, is cutting yeah. edge. The right, the 3D perspective that's there, yeah. the post processing and like the lens flare and filters that are being applied to every frame of this game yeah. look really nice and cutting edge. So it's a really fucking weird mix yeah. of aesthetics. Yeah. But uh, oh, what you know what thing actually really bothers me? I don't know if it bothers you. Everyone keeps their eight bit. Um, all of the main characters keep their eight bit. Um, sort of graphic style. Yeah. While they're in the battle screen. Okay. But the enemies are like oh, these. Oh, they're way more detailed. D- detailed, yeah, yeah, like yeah. hand drawn. That's a that's a good. Point. And you and it's just such a disconnect. It's just it like, didn't bother me because uh, I think of the characters. Some of those designs are so ornate and so bespoke, and you're just like, damn. I wonder what Therion looks well, like if he was looked like that. Maybe I I associate the characters now with their eight bit type version of themselves, yeah. and I and and I actually enjoy the surprise in some of cases to of see seeing, what they look like of seeing what the enemies look like yeah. when they're fleshed out. Because for example, Primrose's fucking Asshole pimp. Yeah, the the fat guy on yeah. the chair. Yeah, he, he looks yeah, like yeah his um, his battle like design. Dumpty. Yeah, he does look he like, like Humpty Dumpty. Dumpty. His battle design was perfect because up until that point, he doesn't you know he looks like a typical sprite. He looks like yeah um you know he he behaves like a fucking dick. Yeah, and and you just kind of paint this mental picture of him of just like oh man this guy's a fucking asshole. Yeah, and then yeah. when you see him in the battle like his battle sprite, you're just like, yes, yeah, that, fu- I can't wait to kill that fucking guy. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I yeah. enjoyed that, but I hear what you're saying about the disconnect, how yeah. I guess you just want more yeah, ornate detail out Sp- of your hero sprites. Yeah. Yeah. And more detail of my story as well. So specifically, <laughs> you know, I've, 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 and I've talked to Azabi about this before that like, I, so I understand that they wanted to, I feel like this game is, Dragon Age gone wrong. Dragon Age Origins. Interesting. And I've been I forgot to mention that give you that analogy before where I don't know if you guys remember Dragon Age Origins and and you know the main sort of like focus and pull of that game was hey we have was it like eight characters? It might have been eight characters. I don't know. We have an elf. We have a woodland elf. We no, it was actually probably more. You pick your race and then you pick where you came from. Yep. So you could have an elf, but it was either a woodland elf or like a what uh, do they call them again? City city dweller. No, not even a city dwelling elf. The elves that were a part of the the cha- not the chanch the chantry. Oh god, chantry. it's coming chantry. back again. Coming they back. were the elves that were a part of like modern society but they were sort of slaves because they didn't remember yeah, yeah, people yeah, yeah. are scared of magic they're the oh oh um mm, like the circle mages or something like the that. outcast kind of uh so i that was mine yeah okay yes and then and then basically each origin story was like a full fucking game oh like they when were, we were do- when that was we were the best done with the origin story you were just like it was sort of like it sort of brought you back to Final Fantasy VII when everybody when you, everyone finished Midgar, you beat the, the and you're just like, oh my god, the light, we beat the game, and then, and then you're like, you're uh, like, you're in the overworld now, buddy. Yeah, there's fifty more hours left to this game, <laughs> and then you like play Origins, you're just like, holy shit, that origin story 
was a fucking full-fledged game, and I'm completely satisfied. <laughs> I, I would completely satisfied. I wouldn't go that far, but I, mean, I hear you. Some, some of the stories were, like, um, I mean, I really enjoyed the intro for my Circle Mage, where, like, you yeah, the went Circle into the, was... to the... Um, the realm. That was a good short story. Yeah, and the and the guy left, and then you know he deserted at the end, and it's just like, oh, you know what? In the sequel to Dragon Age, we're probably gonna go find him, but it's like, no, this will happen all in the same game. <laughs> but anyway, I say this to say that I was ex- expecting something akin to that, where you meet these uh, people okay. on their origin jo- stories. You right, you see right. all of your characters on the map in the beginning of the game, and and also the the game gives you a choice to who you want to pick. And then you, nat- quote, naturally run into the rest <laughs> of your party. However, it is very unnatural. Every story is isolated. Literally, in the, excuse me, in the cutscenes, everyone disappears except the characters <laughs> whose story it is. And the way they recruit them is literally like you walking up to someone on the sidewalk going, oh my God, I lost my cat. Hmm, you guys look like you have equipment to go find a cat. Want to help me? Sure. Okay, let's go. And then they disappear again. And they're not. <laughs> and then the any scenes. any story cutscenes. It's only you. They're not even in the background. Just standing there, like, who are these strangers? They're just not there. And there's no connection. Like, I there are some sk- like skits. I think on they do sort of like the tales of skits, but they don't really have context to people's stories. And I think that happens later in the game when you're traveling with them. But anything story specific, it is just that person and your party member and your people who are a main part of this game are like glorified NPCs. That's basically what they are. In anybody, in everyone's specific story, every other main character is a glorified NPC. Yeah, so the weird thing about this game is that these party members don't have any logical cohesion. They don't belong together. Nope. They are, like, they're, they're, they're joining them for video game reasons. And, Even less. And I think that that's, that's, one, that's probably my central... That's, that's in a lot of ways the central tension in this game, and I don't know if it's supposed to be, like, a weird homage. Uh-huh. Or if it's because look at that graphical style, right? Like yeah. they are going old school in a certain sense on purpose, mm-hmm. and to some degree, this is like a like it's almost a joke. Yeah, the way that you go up to these characters and you're like, "Hey, what's your life story? Tell me. Cool, I'll help you with that. Let's join forces." Like it's it's weird. It it led to our brilliant alternate title for this game, which is the awkward anthology. Yeah. So it just feels like these disparate stories. And at least in these early hours, I just, it, I'll tell you what it does have going for it in my mind is that this feels like a world that has a history to it that's lived in yeah. with, you know, these, these varying characters that all feel independently like interesting. Yeah. Interesting and have their own little quirks about them or whatever. What's missing is cohesion. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just something they weren't interested in, or maybe it'll come later. I don't know. But um, it, that's definitely a valid criticism that hasn't landed for me, I don't think, as harshly as it has for you. Mm. And I don't know why. I think part of it is that I'm playing it in a very bite-sized way. I've been playing it on my lunch break for, you know, 
I, well, I explained to you earlier why, because it's a JRPG, and like, you know, one sure, of the sure. tenets of a JRPG is strong storytelling, you know, yeah. But I think that this, that's the thing, I, I, even though this is very disjointed, I don't think you it's think bad it's storytelling. No, 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 but I, well, see, I never said that, I, sure, sure. it's not bad storytelling, the vignettes are good, and I appreciate sort of this game isn't the, the world is coming to an end, you know, right. everyone's story is actually very personal, yeah, yeah, and, and, and sort of small scale, and I can appreciate that, yeah, however, I don't really see the reason of the, f- the structure of this game in the sense of like, it's an awkward okay, structure, you could, you could have just made this eight different stories and you can have a choice to pick from them and then have a random band of brothers or like, hey, what if Primrose just gathered up all her dancer girls and they were her party (laughs) members? Could you imagine? Maybe. I mean, that's... Look at this. Actually, I just thought of an interesting mechanic right now. Imagine if Primrose could just allure three other party members. (laughs) And then imagine if, um, uh, what's his name, Ulbrick, after you challenged people... He, he was like, oh, I beat you up, now join my crew. Or everybody had, their their path action was a way to recruit people. Maybe, you yeah. Know? And like then, and I, I also described to you, like the way it you recruit people is almost like a strategy game where like nobody really matters. They're just there. Just yeah, like, there's, they're missing. We're, what we're missing is an overall reason for them to actually band together. Like yeah. as much as a lot of people hated on Final Fantasy XIII, I really liked it, despite the oh, fact I, that the... A, I was a fan. Nice. I was a fan. Uh, and, and, and what I would say about 13 is that while the while the word-by-word dialogue and writing of that game yeah. is often bad, yeah. the overall story that was told is actually quite good, in my opinion. And partially because it's actually the story of how these people fucking hate each other a lot of them for starters and by the midpoint of the game they actually reach a point of like hey we either have each other's backs or we're fucked and also i read a specific interview i don't know if you remember that game remember how which was like i kind of hated about the game but when you look back and like you said irrespective of the dialogue and writing the theme of each um yeah so let me just go back just so this makes sense excuse me there's several parts in 13 that um, you're separated. Right. And, and the creators actually made it their business to create foils. So you had lightning with hope, like the overly oh, yeah. serious and then like the overly wimpy. And that that um, sort of relationship, I, I really loved. Like When hey, lightning is like, yo, you yo gotta, you're slowing me down? Yeah. Bye. That was like, yeah. oh, shit. And then they actually made you feel like, Wow, Hope was actually useful. Yeah. I kind of want Hope him was, back oh, now. P.S. Hope was my best character. <laughs> Hope's magic used to fuck <laughs> Yo, he was my main mage. Nice. I had Hope every time. Or Saz and Vanille, where it's just like, yo, my kid, I need to get him. This is not like a game, Vanille. Yeah, like, yeah. Stop hopping around with yeah, your fucking yeah, yeah. boobs hanging out. <laughs> or like um, Fang and... Um, uh, Troy, Troy Baker. No. Snow, yeah. yeah. How just like, dude, like, relax. I understand you're a hero, but there are other lives at stake. Yeah. And like, they had this really nice balance of like, we need to ground these characters because they're like extreme anime tropes. Sure. And I feel like a lot, and like I said, they didn't, they didn't always do it the best way, but the themes were there. 
And maybe me knowing that information from that interview, like I was able to like sort maybe. of frame it better. But I really I I liked thirteen when I'll, you could frame it in that. I'll give way. you I'll give you one more thing that's that's that I really like about thirteen before we move on from it. Um how often do you play a video game where if you actually reflect on a story and you look at the codec entries and you think about what the ultimate objective is, you can reflect on a game and go, oh, that game was about killing God. Yeah. Like literally like, oh, God, you want us to do this? Yeah. Fuck you, die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a thing. That, yeah. was, a, that was a cool yeah. <laughs> experience. I want to put in one thing, and I always say that just because 13 gets such a bad rap. Square Enix, stop creating silly, stupid names for things that are simple and we already have established um, names for. <laughs> Gods and charges. They were char- That's all they were. They were charged with a task. task. This has been known through history. Not Falsi and Lassi and all. It was just like, dude, no one is going to understand stand this. Just say, this is the God of water. That's the God of thing. The God of water, you are now his charge. You are to do this. If you don't, you're going to turn into crystal. So I don't disagree <laughs> that their that their terminology was a little bit bonkers. Ugh. But I actually think that I like that they didn't use God because but, what what I just described kind of yeah. snuck up on me. I didn't realize until fairly deep in the game. I was like, wait a minute. Those things are basically gods. And they're basically gods that are saying, This is the natural order of things and this is how I want you to behave. Yeah. And we as a party are saying, Fuck that noise. Yeah. Let's go kill it. Yeah. That's weird. Yep. And and that kinda I like that that kinda snuck up on me as a surprise. <laughs> um but the particulars of the phrasing Was... were fucking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Final tangents, Fantasy Hour over. Tangents on, ta- on tangents Octopath on tangents. Traveler. Um, but again, I think still wholly positive. I'm still playing the game, but it's sort of turned into like a Netflix game for me where mm, okay. I, I'm not, I'm not, it doesn't have my full attention. I'll I'm really share, I'll, yeah, I'll share that, I'll share that critique by saying that the thing that made me buy the fucking game was me going, holy shit, I want to see Primrose's yeah. story through. Yeah. And I'm at a point right now in the game where in order to get to her next you have to bit, level up I need to lot. level up, pick up some characters, just, yeah. because of the, just because of the practicality of is this being an RPG and you need a full party. Well, well actually, no, that is the mechanic of the game. So what we should say is that you can always bring up the map and you'll see markers of where the next story beat for your character is. So every... St- characters on the board and you get like your first character they're level one when you go to the next character by the time you're finished it'll say like oh level three when you see the net like the chapter two for your the first character that you picked like i picked therion which is the thief it's like level 27 right even after picking up five characters i'm still level 12 yeah so they are the design of the game is forcing you to get yeah, for sure, for sure. all eight characters, and by that time, I will probably and, be in the twenties. And what I'll say is that while from a storytelling perspective, from from the actual what's being presented to us, it's goofy and it's weird that there's very little acknowledgement of the inter-character relations. Mm-hmm. From a gameplay perspective, I like that they are enforcing a very typical RPG message, which is like, you can't do this alone. Yeah. And maybe that's where the story will go. Maybe it won't, but, um, I can understand from a, from a practicality perspective, how difficult it would be to tackle 
they they went from, they went with a design of you choose your starting character and you choose which characters to pick up along the way, mm-hmm. right? And that creates with eight characters that creates so many permutations of tr- that trying to write like every permutation of who you have in your party as you're picking up characters is really fucking difficult. And I expect to to be clear, I expect that once I start hitting stage two of some of these stories, that there will be more acknowledgement of characters across each other. So we'll see, but yeah. Mm, okay, cool. I was thinking of like a solution to that really quick. I, I'm going to wrap up, but I feel like maybe <laughs> they would have a dialogue option and they would put in always have eight dialogue options. <laughs> and then you would get a bonus if you like picked the one that is, of course, is that person's. And then maybe <laughs> there's like a secret if you pick something that was like, not theirs, but like was really funny or really stupid or really dumb. So it'd be like Primrose, it would always be from like, you know, she's a female in the game, like a female perspective of someone who's been in, the, who's been a sex worker. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, of course Primrose would say that. You do that and you get, maybe you get like an experience for, for like following their personality. You know what I'm saying? I hear and you. And then as you get the next, just like the path actions, how you get that option it adds to when you press y instead of having one option you have four f- to represent everyone's path action when you're in a dialogue eat you'll get more options to choose from like the dialogue tree i hear that you been interesting that could be interesting yeah cool well active path traveler still playing you but just very disappointed in the story uh lastly i'm gonna dig into um now that i think about it and plus we want to get time for the special topic no man's sky next um so just some history. I was never interested in No Man's Sky. Was less interested after all the drama happened. Was even less interested after they tried to fix it. But you know, Next sounded really interesting. And um, Was it I, the multiplayer? The multiplayer, the revamp, the emphasis on sort of providing more direction. Um, I, I, the game is just not for me. And you know, I knew it wasn't for me. I put about two hours into it over the weekend and... Mm-hmm. It just felt like busy work to me. Um, it felt, and, and I, I feel like I was lucky in a sense of my planet wasn't too oppressive to me, even though I still think it took very long for me to get what I needed to get off the planet and move to the next, or, or just move the game forward. Um, I know some people who have ended up on randomized planets that was very oppressive and they just had to start over. And I guess you can make a case of like, yeah, you know, well, that's the game. If you don't want to start with that, then just start over. But also, like, you design the game. I think, in general, everyone's first planet should be, you know, inviting in, yeah. in order for them to continue to play the game. Because I, I don't want to play this game anymore. Um, I've, I've turned it on about four times. I've, you know, followed the objectives that they have for me. I'm just going around mining for things, building things, putting things in my inventory. The game is beautiful, like scanning things, but it, it, it just seems like there's, real, there's no real consequence for anything or no real direction. Yeah. Um, I'm just finding random things that are giving me these weird messages. <laughs> I, it, and, and I trust me, I came into this game with... Remember, I didn't hate, actively hate the game. I just wasn't interested. And I read up on it. Uh, knowing that this update was coming in and I was like oh you know this sounds really gay I can't wait for a nice chill experience for me to like sort of enjoy the graphics I did I did love the um 
the art direction, like, um, you know, the planets and like the art in the game. So I was always interested in that. So, you know, if anything, that would keep me playing and visiting new planets and seeing what they look like and the character models and, and the alien models. All still very enticing and interesting to me. Looks really good to me, but I, it, this type of game was never for me. And <laughs> unfortunately, No Man's Sky, you're not for me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say three things about No Man's Sky. I have not played Next yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I will because it's a free update and yeah. maybe eventually I'll get back to it. But I'll say three things about it. One is that it's a game that leans pretty heavily from the people who seem to enjoy it. It leans pretty heavily in the meditative realm rather than like the kind of engaging or that's, I don't know, that's not the right word, but there's a spectrum between like meditative and like flow, right? Where you're super into like the, the complex task that you're, that you're in. This game's very meditative. This game's about kind of chilling and exploring as far as the people who really enjoy it. I tried the survival difficulty that they put out and it's not balanced. It's Mm -hmm. too harsh. Um, and it's not their focus. I don't think the second thing I'll say about it is that, um, it's, it has pacing problems. Mm-hmm. I think that this game, uh, in some ways is some of the hooks in this game are comparable to like Stardew Valley or other long form games mm-hmm. where you're really building Cause, cause you know, towards the end game of this game, you have like freighters with a stupid amount of, of goods and, and this kind of machine of like getting all these resources mm-hmm. that really helps you explore and all well, that. Well, I gave you some pushback, Zavio, on your comparison to um, Stardew and Moonlighter in the sense that... And, and you provided the comparison, but I, I don't think they match, uh, mm-hmm. which is the day and night cycle. Yeah. And I said, like, that's true, but in the day and night cycle, there's sort of this sort of review of what you did. Yeah. And then in the, and then in the morning, you kind of see what you did. Yeah, this game does a poor job of giving you... That's what I mean by pacing. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't do... It doesn't, A, allow you... It doesn't provide any kind of structural, mechanical way for you to reflect on what you've accomplished. Yeah. So you often feel like you're not accomplishing anything, yep. which might or may not be true. But or, it, but, or busy, or just... Or that it's just busy, busy work. Busy work. Yeah. And, and, um, and B, there's no framing. There's no good framing, which, which sort of is where you would do this sort of thing. There's no, like, it, you can play a day of Stardew Valley or a day, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, of Moonlighter and be like, okay, that was a good day or a bad yeah, day yeah, or yeah, something no, no, like no. that. In this game, you can just wander. And some yeah. people love that, but but that lack of structure is really difficult sometimes for someone, like, yeah. guess, like and us but, to, but, but also to really in a play sense, in. You can wander in Moonlighter and you can wander in Stardew Valley pretty um, un... What's the word? Unbothered? Uh-huh. You know, in this, you have to manage a health meter. You have to manage sure, a... Sure, sure. That's uh, true. A hazard meter. Yeah, that is... That's something a lot of people said was that this game seemed... When it first came out, a lot of the early reviews said... This game seems to want to be more meditative than it actually is because you're constantly being nagged, yeah, right? Na- exactly. Nagged by all of these meters, meters. and stuff. And um, that's weird because they're not difficult to keep in check. They're just there's just a constant interruption going on. Mm-hmm. So that's a weird that's thing, yeah, thing going on. That's exactly on there. what it is, because it's just like yeah. hazard thing down. So the final thing down. the final thing I'll say over and over. Yeah. The final thing I'll say on No Man's Sky, and this is the one that really gets to me, this is the one where I'm like Okay, you, this is where you this is where you failed on the promise. Congratulations, everything is procedural. That's really fucking cool. But it's very shallow. 
Yeah. Congratulations, this creature looks different than that other creature. I still shoot at it the same way. I still get the same resource from it, etc. And that permeates the whole game. Yeah. There's very little depth in your interaction with these systems. And there's a lot of systems, so you might mistake that variety for depth. But no, it's not. It's just Mm -hmm. a variety of shallow systems that are at play here. And there's better survival games out there for that. So if you want a deep interaction with your environment and things like that, frankly, Zelda is is a ridiculously well-polished example of something where there's variety to the environments and whatnot, and that variety matters. Yeah. Doesn't matter in No Man's Sky for the most part. You know, you have your hot planet, you have your cold planet. They both deteriorate your environmental protection in slightly different ways. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's shallow. Yeah. And, you know, some people love it. Yep. And that's okay. But, but those are my critiques about that game. Cool, cool. Well, that's it for games. That's um, it for games. Like I said, we, we, I definitely dug, dug my hands into quite a few things, but we're going to dip into a quick story, um, a new story, just about Vampire. And it's, it's sort of related in the sense of they are going back to add into new difficulty modes and also optimize it, which they're going to do a story mode, which is a very easy mode where there'll be less emphasis on combat and more focus on the story and a ultra hard mode, which I don't know why. <laughs> because that, that, at least for me, that's how I, I found out the weakest part of the game and I found the most interesting part, the story part of the game. So this actually might make me go back into uh, Vampire I don't know. I don't think you can change the difficulty once you start. So that probably means I have to start mm, from the beginning. That's a shame. Which sucks. But we'll see how it's implemented because, you know, I really wanted to finish that game. Um, I was listening to What's Good Games and I think Brittany, she finished it and she she actually enjoyed the ending. However, um, not to spoil their cast, she said that the way the ending happened, it was a very difficult boss fight and it did not it saved every time you died so it took away your resources every single time oof exactly so she said Damn. after about and that's, that's if, uh, if if that's an unprecedented mechanic that's kind that's really harsh that's bad so she ended up not beating the game and just going on youtube and watching two endings and i was wow. like damn but she was just like that's weird she's like yeah the ending was good but like it was so demoralizing that she yeah, could not yeah, yeah. beat the game because every try removed all her resources. So she came in just barren. I'm just now like, was yikes. I wonder if if it's possible at that point in the game to exit and grind and get more resources and give it another go. Well, that's that's what was happening, and okay. if the boss fight is hard. All right, and every time you die, you have to grind. So what I'll say is that the difficulty in this game is pretty integral to the experience. And if you don't enjoy the gameplay, it's good that they're introducing story mode as a way yeah. to play the game your way. I'm all for that. That said, um, when I return to this game, because I do expect I will. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if, honestly, this might, that might be my next game after Zelda, now that I think about yeah. it. But okay. um, Oh, that you like sort of put your main time into Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's like my, I want to sit down and play, crack out a game for a couple hours kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, but in any case, for, for me personally, that difficulty is a big part of the experience because it clearly keys you into, leads you into the moral choice part of this game. Yeah. So, I... It's a shame that they don't let you switch difficulties 
and well, we don't, we and, don't know. Oh, oh okay. you mean as it stands now? Like, the... no, actually, to be honest with you, no. As it stands now, well, oh, there was no, there was no difficulty. There was selection. no difficulty yeah, selection. Just start the game. So, so what I'll say is that yeah. while you know it sucks that Britney went through and 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 had this demoralizing thing, the answer to that, from a design perspective, might actually be, hey. If you really want to finish this, and and Go I'm assuming and I'm assuming kill the last boss, you know, because the greater good demands that he dies or some such thing, yeah. right? Well, then maybe you need to kill some innocents to get the experience to level up in order to tackle the last boss, because that's that's the heart of this game in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think that I am glad they're introducing story mode. I'm curious about hard mode. Um, as it stands, from my current experience, the game is an appropriate difficulty in yeah. my mind. Um, the combat is annoying. <laughs> I I like it, um, I do. and whenever I want to play something that is better combat, I'll go play that thing, whether it's God of War or something else. Yeah. Um, but I like being challenged. I like being put into a corner because that's the only that's the only way that the other choices end up mattering yeah. in a sense, right? Like my choice to not kill this innocent matters because I'm willing to go through the difficult combat that maybe I'm underleveled for or whatever it is. I'm willing to literally suffer through a more difficult experience for the greater good in mm. a sense. And I think that's, that's very much what this game is about. Um, I haven't yet, encountered any combat scenario where I genuinely felt like I where where the game beat me rather than I failed. Yeah. So I can understand if people feel that way. Yeah. Kind of wanting to bow out of the combat. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't felt that way in my limited hours thus far. Okay. Cool. Well, we are going to switch gears and go to our special topic. And, um, We're going to talk about Vampire's new mode that they're adding called yeah. Ultimate yeah. Vampire. Ultimate Vampire. Ultimate Vampire mode where you can pay for <laughs> blood and you can, uh, you know, you can pay for, for, for new outfits, real world, real, real world money. Mm-hmm. And I thank God I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, we're going to talk about this... I guess we're focusing on this, or the the jump off point is this VG Charts article. Yeah. The problem with the live services model. Yeah. So this was written in April 30th, 2008 by Tanelli. Pa- 2018. Pa- 2018, excuse me. <laughs> oh, Otherwise. This is it, yeah. Otherwise, this guy sounded like, yeah. a, like a seer. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was interested in this topic because a, a friend had posted, and I, I do apologize. I do. I do what you know know the importance of sourcing but um i don't it was probably came from reddit but um from a it was a quote from reddit that in a recent financial presentation ubisoft laid down its plans for future the future of its video games and its publisher the publisher essentially called games the past and live services the future Mm, the goal is no longer to make games not really what Ubisoft is striving to do now is to create platforms upon which to build services that can sell to people. Mm. Simply put, Ubisoft's business model is no longer about selling as many copies of mm. video games as possible, 
but about getting people to spend money to buy stuff within video games. We itself. were just we were just singing their praises. Yeah, I mean, come, I come mean, well, no, time. I mean, I had this quote before. I guess I never showed you. Sure, sure. But like, it's super apparent, and and and, but you know what? And I don't, I don't think this is ill will. I um, I think it's a difficult topic in a sense of, you can look at specifically Ubisoft's games and go, all right. We've, and I, I think you got to take it by case by case. We've released this game. This is a full game. It has been lauded. It, people feel like it's a full package. Right. Let's add to it or let's create a plan to enhance it over its two-year or three-year lifetime. Okay, sure. cool. Yeah. Or you can have the, hey, guys, it's release time. It's not really finished, but it's pretty polished, so let's just get it out there <laughs> and see if people stick. Oh, shit, okay, people are okay with it. But we have this plan. Let's just keep on supporting it, and you know, let's play with our business model and pricing model. Um, this comes on the heels of, I believe, For Honor is free now, right? If I'm not mistaken. Oh, it's I don't know. It's free it? or it's like 10 bucks. Or it's super, oh, super okay. cheap. Okay. And now, cheap. And now there's two models. There's like the base model and then oh, there's like I the, did. Yeah, like I heard the something about you know, this. enhanced model. Yeah. And basically, you can jump into a pretty, you know, well-regarded game and play for very low barrier entry or you can go in, spend some more money, and get like you know a, a fuller product. Mm -hmm. And then also there's you know an economy inside of the game. Yeah. Um, but Ubisoft is actually put constantly updating, constantly engaging with the community, constantly adding new things with you know depending on the game, you know the structure of the game, you know for honor division. Uh, what's it? Uh, Rainbow Six Rainbow Siege. Six Siege. Our, our, our multiplayer games. You know they're not um, going to get as many Wildlands. Wildlands. They're not going to get as many updates as you know an Assassin's Creed Origins. Wildlands just got multiplayer. I think towards the beginning of this year, and from from what I've heard from from Wild my cousin, multiplayer. No, Wildlands when it first came out did not have multiplayer. Sorry, did not have competitive. Multiplayer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it has like a it battle royale-ish mode now, right? Or I don't. Like no, that? it's not battle royale. It's still small, small teams. Small okay, teams. Gotcha. But but it actually has a competitive map-based kind of. Yeah, traditional. yeah, it was only co-op. Yeah, yeah, I knew yeah, that yeah, yeah okay. totally. Yeah. And, and and so that's relatively new, and I don't know how successful it is, but I do know that my cousin fucking loves it, and I've watched him stream it, and it's fucking dope. Just yeah. just in terms of the way that they, like like honestly, I would say that um, it's sort of what I... It's like a slower, more tactical version of Counter-Strike. Yeah. It's 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 cool. I, yeah. I need to jump into it because I still own it on PS4 and that's what he plays on and I'm sure he'd be down to play together sometimes. Just the stars haven't aligned just yet. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, that's just one more example. Yeah. Of th there's... That's, that's at least a handful of games that Ubisoft that has... That... that g games that have not... That have not been barnstormers out the gate yeah games that came out and were not you know ridiculously amazing and they stood by them mm -hmm. and they seem to be getting better and better mm -hmm. so in a way i would say they're doing it pretty well yeah they're, 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 i'm not yeah 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 so there's a there's a chart on this article that I think is really interesting that we can go through as well where they sort of say here's the sort of um, I hate um, 
natural scrolling. <laughs> um, <laughs> from a like, if you compare like what a game is to a live service, like a game is more hit driven and like a cyclical business model. And you know, as a live service, it's a more recurring revenue business. And with the in the past, we had low user engagement. Now we have high user engagement. In the past, it was console focused, and like we can take Fortnite as a model, which is on everything, and it's a multi-platform business. Um, in the past, you know, it's developer centric. How with live services, we're always trying to find out. You know, I mean, developers always trying to find out what the community wants next. You know, mm-hmm. they're sort of deciding where the game is going to go. Um, in the past, you know, we're really focused. They focus on the game experience. And today we're focusing on the experience as a platform. You know, if we have similar games, like, I get, again, we could use platform, ver- the Fortnite model versus the, um, what's this? We forgot about it now. Battle- Battlegrounds. Like, <laughs> what what, what, what are these different platforms offering? And sure. then, like, and, then and, and even from a sales perspective, you know, as a game, we're looking at, oh, did, is your a two, are you a two million seller, five million seller? That's sort of irrelevant with live services. Holy shit. Wow. I forgot to... That's, that's amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. Well, Normally, you know that- I mute my laptop. <laughs> this time, our timer it was not muted. Nope. And that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Please continue, sir. Yeah. And then the value, we, the value we find in a live service game is how long our users will be engaged. Yeah, so. lifetime value. All right. Yep. So I think when you think of it like that, it is really interesting. But also, what comes the negatives that come with that is you know how corporations could be crummy with monetization efforts. Yes. You know the you know if they know that they're creating a live service game, how much are they going to keep from us? How much do we know that happens behind the scenes that this like, oh well you know we can just release that a little bit later not even as a monetization effort but also as a like packaging effort right so like you know um i was listening to a podcast earlier and they were talking about how re2 the remake actually you know i didn't know it was a game of show like it really made an impression on quite a, a bit of people nice and you know if you look harken back to old re games re games were like one of the pinnacles of like re- replayability of like beat this, you get this gun, do this in this mode, you know, in this difficulty, get this extra thing. It was just loaded with extras. Oh, extra, yeah, absolutely. Loaded with, um, there was, um, what do we call it, player um, earned extras? Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah player yeah. earned extras. Yeah, they had to, uh, Resident Evil 2 beat the game with just a knife in order to unlock for your next playthrough a rocket launcher with unlimited ammo. Yeah. That was like, so, I remember reading about that and being like, Holy shit! I I want to try to do that, and I'll never fucking accomplish it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, who's to say that that's gonna be in that game? Not saying that this is gonna be a lives as a service game, but the effect of yeah. lives as service games sort of like I don't say infecting. It has it has oh, yeah. on you know more traditional games like you know the the podcast. I forgot what I was listening to, but they were sort of framing the discussion, and, and their questions were. What happens if they remove that? What happens if they make it a pre-order bonus? Right. What happens if they make it just DLC? Yeah, Like, yeah. you know, this is like, I oh my gosh, I played the shit out of RE5 and 
beat it on all sorts of difficulties and so many things with my brother and like you know the earned this and earned that and yeah. like, oh shit okay I'm gonna well play I'd again. be I'd be I'd be very shocked for example if RE2 doesn't have some version of the mercenaries mode yeah. which in Resident Evil Revelations 2 they introduced as I think that's when they first introduced no no it. no it was in um five. Sorry, my bro- sorry. My brother used to when play they, it. I didn't. What I meant was when they introduced it as more of a games as a service thing. I'm not yes. sure if they did in five. Yeah. Did five felt you, more like a game as a service thing. Daily challenges and that kind of stuff. Uh, I wouldn't. No. I okay. wouldn't know. Because Resident Evil 4 had mercenaries mode, and I played the shit out of that too. Or, oh, it did? Or maybe they didn't call it mercenaries, but they had that kind of like arcadey play this, it'll take you 10, 15 minutes, like ar- ar- arcadey like stage. Was it in the with, original with release? A scoring was mode. It, in the, like it was a, in the original GameCube release. Yep. Okay. For sure. Right. I played that with my friends, and they heard me scream like a little girl more than once. It was great. Uh, and, um, but, in, but in Revelations 2, they, they, have a, they have a very much games as a service type mode where they have your daily challenge and you grind for, 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 mm-hmm. for money to get the next gun and, and then mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff um, is in there. So I might expect that to be in RE2. Yeah. Um, and I have problems with that in certain ways. Yeah. So, so to go back to, to kind of the problem of games as a service... The problem is basically capitalism. <laughs> oh, you're I'm not going to get too much on my high horse here, but when, when you're incentivized, when, when, when companies are incentivized and find this avenue for recurring revenue, revenue. they're going to exploit it as best as they can. And yeah. it's up to us as consumers to defend what we consider to be reasonable and unreasonable. However, mm-hmm. I think that the, the 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 companies are going to not give a shit about the sort of ethical and philosophical uh, argument or discussion about what is and isn't appropriate to pay for. Can I? They're going to care about who about who gets the most to their bottom line, and that's often going to be ex- exploitative. Yeah. And and that's arguably downright unethical. So, and this brings you to the point, you know, I don't know if you sent it as a joke or it just actually was just Providence where um, Zavi sent me this Facebook video. Oh, I was dead serious. 6.4 million views of about a mom, which, you know, you can laugh at and say like, okay, mom. But she was basically saying... She was really reasonable. She was was saying like, hey guys, like she was uh, made this video uh, addressed to the Fortnite developers but you know she's a mom. She's like, you know, those people that make Fortnite, <laughs> you know. She's yeah, she's not educated it was about endearing. games in that way. But she, she, she kind of made a point. As a parent, oh, she I was being understand. Reasonable. She, was, she said, my son keeps on asking me for money every week or every day about getting these digital... And, and she was actually kind of in tune of like these virtual goods that ultimately that not, are not tangible right. that my son is sort of obsessing over. And talking about how... This is the thing. In in the story that she tells, she's directly pointing out, is this thing going to yell at us again? No, 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 no. All right, I put cool. it on you mute. muted it? All right, yeah. cool. I thought the timer was going to yell <laughs> at us again. So uh, she's directly pointing towards some of the psychological Skinner Boxian yes. tricks that Fortnite and other games use that are, in my mind, straight up unethical. Yeah. So she points out how when the kid goes like, oh, I need money for this skin, and she goes like, no. He goes, he says in response, but I only have 12 hours to get it or it'll be gone forever. And 
you play Monster Hunter, you know that seasonal events and things are part of the gameplay hooks that they use to create an experience that that they want you to come back to. And there's a spectrum of manipulation going on where Mm -hmm. maybe on the Monster Hunter end of things, it doesn't feel as exploitative. I don't know. I haven't played that one. But when you have kids, and and Epic knows their audience, they made a free-to-play game. Mm -hmm. When when your audience is kids, and when they're exhibiting this kind of behavior, please take it seriously, I guess, is what I would say. And... This is where this is where I will never expect a company mm-hmm. to do the right thing, and this is where it's necessary for us as video game critics, I guess, consumers, consumers, consumers. and yeah, also to some degree, it is up to the law and it is up to governments to actually step in. In some cases, mm. I genuinely am okay with the government stepping in and saying the odds on these loot boxes need to be very directly like readable and attainable. Like it needs to be on the fucking screen in my opinion. Yeah. Because otherwise it is extremely easy for you in code to manipulate these odds on a day by day basis where you can like, if, if, if it's the Wild West, if they're allowed to do what they want to do, they're going to use machine learning to have a profile of when was the last time you spent money, and they'll take it easy on you after you spend some money and be like, yeah, let's, let's give them some good stuff. And then they'll start giving you shittier things. They'll make your odds worse because you haven't paid in a while. Yeah, They will fucking do that. They will have zero qualms about shifting the odds in order to, to literally learn your psychological profile mm-hmm. and, and figure out how they get the most money, money from out you. Of you. And at that point, I'm literally playing a different game than other people. And that's part of what makes it feel gross to me. But never mind the fact that, you know, you're just fishing for whales and fuck you. Yeah. So my rant is done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's one negative. Also, the other negative, and... Um, and this is not a hard turn. It's just I don't want to forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, also, like, it also limits you, sort of your um, sort of drive to play other games. I mean, right, I, I played right. Destiny. I mean, I, I, I guarantee you we don't have 50 million video gamers this year. We have 50 million Fortnite players, you know, <laughs> who are not going to probably engage in other other games or right, gaming right, as right. it is, they're going to play Fortnite. You but know, that's not necessarily something that we need to make wrong, so to, so to speak. Um, so right? I, I will say it may be a negative for people who are established gamers like me and you. Like As much as I enjoyed playing Destiny and Destiny 2 with my friends, like, like having that group social experience, and it was a great game. There was some, you know, there were definitely live service trappings of it that's like, all right, I'm just repeating this 30 seconds of, you know, uh, of, of excitement. Like, you know, there's other games to play. The reason I'm saying it's a problem is like when there were franchises and things that I were, that I was interested in, there was the FOMO effect of like, Ooh, gravity rush two came out. I want to play it. Oh, everybody's playing destiny two. And they're all right. Okay. I'll play gravity rush, you know, when I'm not. When you're, then yeah, match yeah. that with I'm adult. I sure. only have five to nine to play, you know, give or take, as most people who work nine to five jobs. 
everyone's going to be on that time. Mm-hmm. Guess what? There's not going to be a time when I have gra- when there's nobody on. Yeah, nobody yeah. to sort of FOMO me into playing <laughs> Destiny 2 uh-huh. where I have time to play Gravity Rush 2. And that's actually a specific example. That's actually a real example where yeah, it like, yeah, yeah. took me extra long to I beat Gravity you. Rush 2 because it might have not been Destiny 2. It might have been another game. But um, it was just like, oh, no, everybody's on. I want to play. But at that moment in my life, the only free time was the time when all my other friends were on. I hear you. So it, you know, it also really limits, and then and then also, it may be a negative because what does that do for other game makers in their games if nobody's right. interested in buying these other games? Because yes, everyone's playing Fortnite. I agree. And the creativity of the games, everyone's then also people are also you know running to ne- make the next big live service game. Right. I think that's my biggest worry about what this, what this. Essentially, gold rush. Yeah. Right? This gold rush that is happening at live service games. Um, for starters, you can, there's, there's historical precedence for this. Mm-hmm. No one was ever going to dethrone World of Warcraft. No. That no. was never going to happen. No. But everyone spent a shitload of money and, and, and tried to make games... And that means they were not making other games that might have been worthwhile experiences. Mm-hmm. But no, everyone was focused on how do we chasing, how do we chase World of Warcraft? World of how do we chase World of Warcraft? Yeah. And maybe now that's what Fortnite is, and people are going to keep chasing it, and it's just going to be a failed effort. Look at it all might these be. It might not be. Um, but battle royale round games that are coming out. Um, sure. Radical Heights that you know that put Cliff Blazinski's company under. I mean, yeah. it wasn't doing well to begin with. Yeah, but um, it was the last nail on the coffin. You know, there's, there's, I, I can't remember. There's so many, but like, you know, I feel like every news story, every, yeah, you know, every month. Oh yeah, blah blah blah, new battle royale style game coming yeah, out. Yeah, and just like, how many are for them, and how many has a place? Yeah, there's just there's just a saturation there. There's yeah. not there's not enough. There just there's literally not enough market for yeah. several games to have tens of millions of players. And one could even That's make just one could even make a case like, you know, PUBG and Fortnite. Now you have you have a king and a prince or a king and sure. a steward to the throne. And they're different enough not, as it is. Not, but like if mm-hmm. you're if Fortnite's not your jam, maybe PUBG is your jam. And then if that's not your jam, then whatever the hell Call of Duty's Battle Royale thing mm-hmm. might be your jam. Then, and that's another Battlef- big name. Battlefield. So my advice, <laughs> I guess, to anyone who's like not those big three motherfuckers and also I guess Battlefield and yeah. and, and uh, you know the other the other the other motherfuckers are gonna be chasing this fucking exactly. rabbit or what's the right analogy? What's the right the chase the, the, the Chasing the the purple dragon or whatever. No, that has, that's that's whale? about drug use. Is the purple <laughs> dragon? But uh, but those those motherfuckers that are going to chase this thing. They're going to chase this thing. If you're someone who thinks that you're going to come into this space and you're going to compete, you're probably not. Nope. Don't try. Don't nope. waste your money. Don't yeah. waste your money and your time and your effort and your blood and sweat and tears. Make something else that is different that will get attention in a different way that will have a niche audience that yeah. will be worth it. Yeah. And worthwhile, and 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 add to gaming as a culture and as a medium. Yeah, that's what that's this 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 hoopla about live services. It drives so much manpower away from other things and cre- creativity and creativity. It's yeah. it's like it's like when it's like when Spec Ops: The Line had a multiplayer. 
Well, I didn't even know. It did. Uh. It's like, well, I guess the Tomb Raider multiplayer was pretty good. But, but nonetheless, it still came from an era when everyone expected there to be a multiplayer and therefore, yeah. you know, shoehorn it into your game or I'm not going to publish your game because that's the hotness right now. And it's like, that's not necessarily why very many people are. That's a, I think that's a decent analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of. had to have a multiplayer and then there was this sort of arbitrary um, added value or yeah. or, at, or de- de- decreased value if your right. game didn't have multiplayer. Yeah, and that's like, to some degree, I think reviews are to blame because there was such a thing as reviews that would just knock a game for just being like, oh, this game doesn't have a multiplayer offering. It's just yeah. like, what the and fuck, And the connotation was, ne- was clearly negative. Yeah, it was clearly negative. Yeah. And, then, and then you had the pushback where people would go like, yes, this game doesn't have multiplayer and it doesn't fucking need it. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we're past that particular whale that people were chasing. Mm-hmm. But this is, the, this is the latest whale and it's a big one. It's making a stupid amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to be... We need to be vigilant, vigilant about this because, yeah, I, I, I worry about it on several fronts and, and that's definitely one of them is that the, crea- the creativity is being drained away from yeah. other games. Yeah. Cool. So cool. We'll, we'll revisit this conversation when Anthem inevitably comes <laughs> out and pisses and, everyone off. And all the, yeah, and all the Battle Royale games that are just yep. waiting in the wades and... Yeah, it'll be an interesting year. <laughs> cool. Well, I think that's it. We're going to wrap up today's episode. You can always find us on Twitter and Instagram at PartyChatPCP. Um, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace. Later, guys.